greatest Ponzi schemer that has ever been known. You like we have to celebrate that he's a champion of something. We are referring to uh Mr. Madoff. Um Bernard Madoff. Bernard, yeah. yeah. The, the, o- o- the OG Bernie, the yeah. bad Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> as it were. Yeah, Ber- Bernie Sanders' evil twin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If Bernie had made a couple other different choices at the University of Chicago, then uh maybe he chose a different major, then he would be so Bernie Madoff, right? 81 years old. So he's 81 years old. Living in jail. Living in prison. He's been Do, there for 10 years. Doing finger push-ups, doing squats, doing everything <laughs> you need to do to stay yeah. hardy yeah. and fit and yeah. limber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy, um, it's important to remember, he defrauded investors of $19 billion. Woo! One $19 man. Billion. One wow. man. One like we talk about numbers a lot, about like, you know, um, like you know, oh, BlackRock controls seven trillion dollars and like that doesn't mean my rich but like this is one person yeah just one guy this is just one guy so he um uh, his lawyer said that he has chronic kidney failure that has progressed to late uh to end stage renal disease which might that i think that sounds fake that's not a real isn't this just (laughs) what we call being 81 i think it's yeah and he's got other conditions including heart disease high blood pressure well of course he's in prison uh esophageal reflux insomnia Shortness of breath, back pain, itching, leg cramps, and anxiety. Oh, non- and, and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, nausea, hot, upset stomach, <laughs> diarrhea, uh, Pepto Bismol. <laughs> like, yeah, he's a uh, yeah, he's a whole. He's every like um, set. What is it called? Um, symptom. He's every symptom. He has every that symptom. your. Uh, medication says might happen <laughs> in, in, in addition to curing your... He just uh, has all the side effects. Yeah, he ha- he's a side so, effect. That's yeah, what he, Bernie Madoff is I right mean, now. This, should be, this should be on the list of if you are a customer of Geocorp, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, these symptoms might occur to you yeah, while yeah, 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 staying yeah. in Esophageal one of our cells. Insomnia. <laughs> okay, so like, good... cue like a picture of like grandparents playing with their grandchildren, like barbecuing, like kayaking or something like that. Then you're just reading off like... Mr. Madoff has esophageal reflux, insomnia, shortness yeah, yeah. of breath, yes, chronic yes. kidney failure, Actually, other conditions yeah. including heart disease, back pain, itching, leg cramps, and anxiety. Well, you can deal with the insomnia with some Benadryl, and you can deal with the uh, acid reflux with a little bit of Tums. Tums. Yeah. So these are uh, these are things you can deal with with the, the yep. com. Are I'm sure a, there's a commissary. Are you a, are you a Tums boy? I can't get enough. Dude, I Tums <laughs> oh, every of night, Of course Gabe is. Of course Gabe is. <laughs> I am. Well, also, absolutely no way I'm not putting some like kind of like cool like hard rock underneath when you just when you're reading that. the side effects <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely yeah. Sure. Yeah. side effects of flonase include yeah um so do we let this man out do we let him out does he live on in house arrest and, and spend his last days in a palatial chateau with an ankle bracelet on kind of like pol pot did what in is- uh cambodia um so he um let's remember what he did yes so invest- let me remind me exactly how <laughs> this went down so investors lost $19 billion, $19 billion in principle when – this is from Investment News. When Mr. Madoff's securities firm collapsed in December 2008, his victims included thousands of wealthy investors. Okay, kind of a wash more. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Jewish charities. Well, 
hurtful. <laughs> Personally hurtful. Yeah. You know? Not uh, a mensch. Not a mensch. <laughs> not a mensch. <laughs> uh, if I were a Madoff. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, were these were these charities that were uh, <laughs> sending barbed wire to the settlements? Yeah, this is like, yeah, yeah. That's Jew- a good question. Yeah, yeah. Jewish charities were like the, the, like the National Jewish Republican Caucus or something like that. Um, yeah, are these Jewish charities, uh, charities are these Israeli yeah. <laughs> charities. It's just like Sabra yeah. Hummus. He's just, yeah. he's, he's just like ripping, he's just like fleeing. Sing Sabra's competitors and like that's why Sabra's in every bodega because Bernie Madoff <laughs> killed the competition. Uh, no, it's celebrities and retirees. I mean, really, the one that we should feel bad for is the retirees. We don't know about the. I mean, we'd like to think that the charities are are nice, but who knows these days? So, um, but then somebody said he showed no remorse whatsoever for what he did. So why should we? Um, Mr. Madoff built a reputation over three decades as a brilliant stock picker who delivered uncannily steady returns. In good markets and bad. This is when the whole the, the classic saying, if it's too good to be true, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his results were largely fictitious. And he told his family in December 2009 that the business was all just one big lie. Mr. Madoff's two sons turned him into the Federal Bureau of Investigations. One of his sons later committed suicide. Whoa. While the other died of cancer. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, this is a real back and forth with me. Um, first of all, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit uh impressed and also surprised that his sons were like, "I'm putting you in jail, Dad." <laughs> like they they were straight up like, "You're bad. You can't do this anymore." Well, they also, I mean, from from the movie, they had to uh cover their own asses and all, and oh, they pro- they might yeah. not have known honestly. I mean, there is some willful ignorance. But uh, but you hear all these stories about people that marry serial killers and then they have no idea that their husband was keeping children in the crawl space or oh, like yeah you know the people right right next to you are the ones that you don't even notice oh because there's, yeah there's this uh, this blindness mm-hmm. and uh, so they maybe they didn't know but uh, one of his sons killed himself because their entire social circle uh, ostracized him after that he was shunned Ugh. and then the other son he gets cancer. You know, from bad vibes. Yeah, he gets bad, bad vibes. vibes bad vibes cancer. Yeah, he had sure. stage four bad vibes cancer. Uh, oh, um, oh, what was I going to ask? Ponzi um, cancer. And it, yeah, and just just to clarify, just because it's still difficult for me to wrap my head around sometimes, a Ponzi scheme is when you get, are a person who's like, I am looking for investors, and yes. I will invest your money, but they never actually invest the money. They just get a bunch of people's money and then slowly trickle it back to them. The Ponzi scheme, a form of fraud in which belief in the success of a non-existent enterprise is fostered by the payment of quick returns to the first investors from money invested by later investors. That's right. Yes. There's no there's no underlying thing to invest in. There's nothing the, there. Yeah, the investment is more people being duped into the investment. This yeah. city was built on a dream. Yes. Like Rome. And the entire point of it is that there can really only be like one or two or three people at the very top because if there was any more then there wouldn't be enough money for them to like really profit off of it. Yeah, yeah. and also there can only be really a couple like tops two people because you can't keep that scheme. You can't lie to that you many people. You can't lie. Only one person can really lie to that many people. Yeah. Like 
If you want to keep a secret, don't tell anyone. Yeah, you know two, what I mean. Two is pushing it. Two really. is really pushing it. Really yeah, is yeah, yeah. like I, I like so. I think that really, if you want to be a good Ponzi schemer, you can can't tell anyone. Can't even tell your sons. Um, and the most important financial asset that you have is your son, and you can't even tell your son. Mm-hmm. That's right. If two people know a secret, one of them better end up in a watery grave. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom of the East River, baby, <laughs> or the Hudson, if you really want to be cool about it. Um, all right, so let's do. Um, what do we want? How do we want to decide? Uh, Gabe, what do you say? Uh, let him out. Also, he asked Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, uh, Mr. Donald Trump, for um, for sentence to be commuted. Look, um, and- he 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 gets out. He gets out because, uh, of course, I believe in uh, some sort of. You know, I'm I'm not into punitive justice. I like restorative justice. But what yes. what should he do if he gets out? That's the yeah. thing. Well, he's gonna you know? die. Do soon. we put him? Yes. In theory, he's going to die very soon. Too. <laughs> if he's not dead in six months. <laughs> should it be a peaceful death, or should he have to go on a world apology tour? Yeah, Just yeah. get wheeled to every single one of his victims' houses mm. to ask for forgiveness and to apologize. Or they could... Mm. They, or, they don't come to him. He's got to go to them. Go. He's, he's got to go. Travel. Yeah, because yeah, everyone hates traveling. Yeah, everyone it's hates like you with know. stand-up. It's like, you know, I don't get paid to do the, the spot. <laughs> I get paid to get to the gig. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know what? I think, uh, you know, let's, we can be very, uh, we can be very, we can divide it up. So, okay. Let's just, let, we can maybe cautiously assume, conservatively uh, assume um, some of those thing, people they defrauded were pensions and retirement funds, whatever. Okay. Seven days out of the week, two of those days, he's got to go back to jail. All right. So two of those days, that counts for all of the retirement funds that he that he that he fucked over. The rest of the work week, though, he does what you guys are saying. Oh. Where he, he 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 does a uncomfortable Frank Abagnale catch me if you can situation okay. where he's basically has to go to every uh, Google campus and every Facebook <laughs> and for free, mind you, uh, like, yes, he is being transported there, but it's on coach. And he also is just being like, so this is what a pon- he has to explain what a Ponzi scheme is. It's to always everybody. coach. Yeah, it's always sometimes coach. it's Greyhound. Yeah, yeah. So yes, he oh has God. to. There's gonna be oh, a bunch man. of like Google employees, like they're gonna see like an old Jewish man walking in, like, oh my God, are you a Holocaust survivor? Here to tell. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I'm Bernard Madoff. I'm here to tell you what a Ponzi scheme is and how yeah. to get and how to get away with it. I think that would be. I think what if he wouldn't that be fantastic if you were like a college student and you're like, okay, you guys, we um here we are, Poli Sci 101 uh, or or economics 101 we technically have a very special guest for you <laughs> uh it's not that's not it's not jordan peele pretending to be in your film class it's actually the, a guy who defrauded a ton of rich people and I, I think that's the part where i am getting a little bit hung up where it's just like look you know i'm not gonna really frown on anybody who pulls a movie pass on, you know on a bunch exactly. of rich people it's exactly. like it, it's sort of like He's like, I just came here to watch the world burn. Like, you know, <laughs> yes, it was very selfish, but what was the end result of it? You know, I think that's a fair point. I, I'm, I'm usually this is the thing that I like about like all of our Act Ones. Whenever it's someone who's defrauding rich people or defrauding companies, because it's like, good on you, man. Like, cool. You got a, you yeah. got, like you got a chunk, man. That's that's rad. You know what I mean? But like, um, we don't know. Like, at least I, I didn't do the research to like see like who all of his victims are. Um, but. My only reason why I would say no is because he got sentenced to 150 years. Oh, my God. That was the sentence. He got sentenced to 150 (laughs) years, and it's been 10. Yeah. And so it's like, look, if this were 40 years ago 
and he was he had been was in year forty of his one hundred and fifty year sentence. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, he's like everybody he's known is dead, and then he gets to go out and he gets to go work at, at a cash register at a supermarket. Yeah, uh, until he hangs himself. Exactly. Like he would be like he would be like the, the, the Shawshank Redemption old man. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody has a, somebody has an excellent bit too about those kinds of prison sentences where they're so long that they might as well just have like an air of like kind of royalty to them i can't remember who it is but they're like i sentence you to 900 years uh, yeah <laughs> and you will always be sad like it's like yeah it's uh, such like a like 90s disney villain yeah it's thing. very yeah. Jaf- jafar kind I, of I like sense yeah. that jafarness in you yeah that was really yeah you yeah. unfortunate souls <laughs> like you know uh yeah. it's but, uh yeah but i think yeah my my, my knee jerk reaction is like no, you've been there for 10 years, but I mean, in this world we're creating, like, you know, I get a little bit of this, I get a little bit of that. Well, he's, <laughs> he's only served, what, like, 7% of his 150 years? Mm-hmm, 7.5%? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. So out of seven, what, out of 6.66% actually is. We're treating these Ponzi scheme architects with kids' gloves. Yes. Yeah, and we need, to, we need to really, you know, clamp down on them. Yeah. You know what? I like it, it when you see in other countries where they just execute. Uh, bankers that uh, commit oh, yeah. fraud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 6.6. Also, he's had 10 out of 150. Uh, no no joke, 6.66%. Whoa! Oh, all that's right, cool. All right, all right, all right. All right. Um, also, I do, you're, you're right, Gabe. There is, every once in a while, you do see like an international Reuters story where they're just like, and in the country of Turkmenistan, a man was pulled apart by his fingers <laughs> and feet. Or it's like, News in Slovenia. You're like, dear God, what did this person do? Did they try to assassinate an archduke? Absolutely not. It was a yeah. Venmo fraud scheme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they Somebody... fraud and quartered this poor, poor banker. Yeah, or it's, accountant. Uh, it's uh, always very, it's like, damn, that was, it. That was in Irkutsk. <laughs> uh, the, the, risk re- the risk board region uh, that's adjacent to Japan and other parts of and Nirkuts or Urkuts, Nirkutsk and Yurkuts, yeah, uh, Siberia. It's I, yeah, it's the unlivable part of Russia. But any, but I, look, I think that as long as we're get putting people on death row for violent crimes, I think that Bernie Madoff should be executed. I think that he should. Oh yeah, throw him in should, the pile. I think just it'd be a lot easier. This man is gonna only tops gonna live another year. I think it would be smarter. Just say, let's just like let's just put him down. Let's just euthanize him. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that as a way of just like almost that is almost more of a sense of dignity than anything. Yeah. It's just like this man should not. He, he is an old man. OK. And clearly he seems to feel a little bit bad about what he did. And he defrauded 19 billion dollars out of rich people. But he did it. And it's like, OK, well, then let's just David, David, David. Look. If we're going to have if we're going to have capital punishments, then. We should have capital punishment for yeah. everyone. David, you know? look, okay, look, sad music cue. All right, look, Bernie's not doing very good anymore. Um, so we decided to put him down. We're going to give him a lot of treats. We're going to give him a nice big meal. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take him to the doctor, <laughs> give him lots of pets, and then have a nice little a nice little ceremony for him, okay? Yeah, exactly. And a, gui- a nice little guillotine, and then I'll be it. And I'll just <laughs> just do- a little one. <laughs> as, a tre- as a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So next, uh, we got we got a couple, two more little bits. Um, Love a little bit as yeah, a yeah. treat. <laughs> Give it to me. So the SEC um, recently charged an accountant. This is from Financial Advisor IQ with fleecing Amish and Mennonite communities. No, this breaks my heart. Pennsylvania. <laughs> this breaks my heart. My, the the Amish are my favorites. I like a I like a slow uh, growth. Slow pour, <laughs> slower bespoke. than a bond. <laughs> yeah. They are they are the bespoke cult. That's my that's my jam, dude. They people are. that churn butter, people that take buggies, no combustible engines. Can't get enough of the Amish. Yeah, and back to eighteen sixty for yeah. sure. I'm yeah, with you on that, man. Dude, I mean, I, real talk. They, if like if like uh you know a weird solar flare happens and like electricity grids get blown off, I mean like I think the I think the Amish are. The kings after that, they're, yeah. totally, they're totally self-sustainable. They're, they <laughs> are the low-tech external hard drive for civilization. Yeah, they're an abacus. Because, yeah, once the solar flare takes out everything else we have, they're the only ones that still know how to raise barns by hand. It's going to be like mm-hmm. the Amish and like isolated communities in the Amazon. You know, <laughs> Those are going to be like the only people left, and they won't see each other for a thousand years. You well, know? the weird thing that you're bringing up now is that there is – not in some fan fiction, uh, a, a scenario where the Mennonites meet the people in the Amazon, but in reality, in Belize. That's right. What? Yes, that's right. Oh, what? <laughs> Thanks for the assist. Yes. yes. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> there are these uh, these Mennonites, and they, they traveled first to Canada from uh, the Ukraine and Russia and Germany, and then they ended up in the U.S. They didn't like it there. They went to Mexico, didn't like it there, kept going to Belize, and now... There are all these people that are in tropical Belize wearing traditional German peasant farmer clothing. And it's the one place where the Mennonites are converting uh, brown and black people, Amerindians and, uh, and the descendants of Africans who are in Belize. And, they're, and there's pictures of, of them online just wearing the hats amazing with the, with the weird with the german beards just amazing you feel you Gorgeous. feel bad for the hasidic jews for having to wear their big you know outfits sure. in summer new york heat no yeah. short sleeves no short sleeves oh my but God. imagine imagine having to wear a fucking scratchy wool shirt in the tropical rainforest, like no yes, way. I am Amish. Technically, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, Ugh. luckily the Amish they 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 were built. Their clothing is for farming to a degree. I mean, they still have it's true. They still have the buttons. But, yeah. Did you guys uh, see that video of the Amish men picking up a barn and moving it 150 feet across the field? No, there's a video of you guys. I you guys need to look it up later. Sounds um, like a strongman competition. There, there were there were just there, they just there was this one. Amish farmer who wanted to move his barn and they don't have you don't can't use any equipment or anything like that so they just got all the men in the neighboring towns <laughs> to come together they lifted up the barn and within over the course of 15 minutes they just moved it in like four acres across a field how big to the is other this side. barn it, it's like it could it is like the size of like a mcmansion it's like a big barn. It's I guess a, it's it is a big just, barn. It's just a skeleton, I guess. So it, yeah, it's just a frame. Yeah, you're not. You don't have any cow in there. No, there's no hay in there. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they cleared everything. They out. cleared it's an empty out. barn. <laughs> yeah, they, they took the shelves out of the drawers before they put them in the moving <laughs> truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that's ins- that's insane. Um, 
and uh, but I mean also just like moving a barn like that. I, I mean I'm sure they they build them quite sturdily, but still I just imagine just like uh, the shaking, you know? <laughs> yeah, the shaking. Just, yeah, and the, I don't know how they got the video because it's an Amish community. That's a good, this is the biggest conspiracy <laughs> of all. How do we even know about it? Yeah, yeah. I saw the video of it and I was like, wait, wait a, a second. second. <laughs> like who's taking the video of these astronauts? Yeah. stepping out of the lunar uh, lander. Yeah. Yes. Who's doing that? Third, yeah. The, the third although, although re- realistically, probably just somebody on like one of the highways in Pennsylvania. Like just Reasonably like, so. what the fuck are they? Wait, are this they is Amish country. Oh my God, they're moving a barn, you know? So what happened? What's this grift happening? How are my Amish and Mennonite friends being, uh, so, being fleeced? Yes. So this guy, Philip Reel, who provided accounting services to the communities, allegedly developed an investment program and raised money for it by selling promissory notes to members of the communities um according to a press release from the sec a promissory note is like a promise to, is an, a financial instrument that is is used to sell to do a thing to do, do a transaction is to, it just for people who don't fuck with electronics no <laughs> it's, no it's like a real thing that like it, it's a it's a financial instrument that contains a written promise by one party to pay another party it's an iou it's an IOU. It's essentially an IOU. Look, okay. IOUs are legal. They legally are? binding. What do I need to do? I need to go to a notary of the public. Assume, yeah, yeah. And I or, say, oh, but also you don't need a notary public. If you like, like the the weird thing about the if you just say I'm gonna do this, then you and you say and you, and you guys agree on it, then you shake your shake hands or cut your you know cut your hands and then you exchange blood or whatever and get the coronavirus. Like that is a that's a contract right there. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. You're a dead man. You're a dead man! This is like Dumb and Dumber. Like, you're, you're going to want to hold on to this one. This, <laughs> this, is, a, this is a Ferrari. <laughs> I owe you a Ferrari. So, Real allegedly raised around $60 million over the course of close to a decade, promising to invest the money in loans to the community. He allegedly falsely claimed he would personally guarantee repayment with interest on the loan and require two co-signers on every loan, giving the investors a false sense of security. Additionally, Real allegedly failed to inform investors about the financial troubles and debt of Trickling Springs Creamery, a dairy... Bi- <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. A dairy all right, business... All right. Okay, all right. <laughs> a dairy I want business ice cream he- now. <laughs> a dairy business he owned and used to issue the promissory notes. Mm. Um, so basically, this guy was... Uh, he's like the monorail... But for the Amish and him, his monorail was ice cream. Like yeah. he was just like promising these Amish people, just like this new conflabbing invention that's going to change your life. It's called ice cream, which is new and conflabbing to yeah. the Amish. Yeah. They're, like, they're like, we don't know how to think, keep things cold, yeah. let, let alone <laughs> Wait, what can, ice cream is. Yeah, you can keep things cold for more than four months out of the year in the winter, outside of winter. Like this is, this is beautiful. Uh, okay, so if uh, okay, so he so he he the the investor. Who knew these? Who just knows these Amish people? By the way, uh, his collateral was an ice cream thing. He was saying, "I'm going. Give me money, give me and money. I promise I will give you. I will pay you back when my ice cream business makes <laughs> when my ice cream business in the middle of rural Pennsylvania, uh-huh. the Amish community makes money. He's trying to make like an Amish Ben and Jerry's and some competitor." And it, I would that could exist here in Brooklyn. It could. Yeah. It an, could. An Irish uh, Amish uh, creamery. 
Yeah. Ice cream? Oh, yeah. I would I'd mess with that. Yeah, like nine dollars for a scoop or something yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. totally would compete with uh Van Leeuwen down oh, the street. Yeah. I think 100%. it's actually a really big missed opportunity because not only is Gabe right, where the fact that like um you know, if you told me, yes, this is actually how Amish people made ice cream, I'd be like, you know, I don't trust the Amish with a lot of things, but I actually do trust it with dairy manufacturing <laughs> yeah, and the quality sure. of the milk and ice cream that they make. And then also, if you're an Amish person, you can't partake in a lot of electronic things or whatever. You place enough of these dang creameries in or around their communities. You stand to saturate your. You stand to be the the corner of the market in ice cream in, oh, yeah. in rural Pennsylvania, and maybe not make a ton of money, but like a reasonable profit. You know. Yeah. The thing is, is that he was he he was too clever by half. And instead of saying, I want to open up, uh, like, I'm going to use, like, I, I know that this is a good idea according to my, like, my, I assume that this guy's like a 31 year old gentrifier or something like that. And he's like, I'm going to open it up an ice cream shop for gentrifiers, but in Amish country and they're going to come here. It's like, no, no, no. You got to open up an Amish themed ice cream shop in Brooklyn. That's what he should have done. And I guess he, he, he messed up, man. So That's how did this guy get caught? What happened? Um, it doesn't, I don't think it says how he got caught. In late 2018, Real allegedly diverted money to the dairy business from at least one investor against the investor's wishes. The creamery eventually filed for bankruptcy in, de- in December of 2019, and Real wasn't able to pay back his investors. What a, a violation of federal securities laws. Tisk, tisk, Real. So Mr. will he Real. get a life sentence? The set, uh, he agreed to settle the charges. Uh, the settlement includes the return of an unspecified amount of money, uh, plus interest and uh, some sort of like injunctive relief, which basically means that they would they're gonna force him to never sell ice cream again. Yeah, that's like and, presumably. And you will marry my daughter and keep on my bloodline. Yeah. <laughs> that's it just, uh, it. Just turns into like midsummer or something. And, and remind me, what was the initial amount of money that he got from them? Sixty million dollars. How do the Amish have sixty fucking million dollars? Well, there's a lot of roadside roadside tchotchkes. That, okay, sell. you're right. They there's a lot of uh, um, whittling, whittling yeah. wares. And they don't have those reoccurring expenses like your uh, monthly Netflix subscription. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just they pure profit, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Spotify premium. There's no for them. Uh, electric bill. <laughs> no, <laughs> no cell phone bill, certainly. Uh, yeah. No fax machine. No fax machine. No one's going to college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they are, it's like, this is the college of learning how to tend the sheep. You know, that's uh, it's a different type of college. Um, yeah, and it's like, what do you? And okay, so I mean, like, they use money to trades for goods and services. Like, is there like an intra Amish like market? Like, is there like is there like a, a commercial sector in the Amish community? Rumspringa stuff when their teenagers go they off go out for, for they, a year. You they know, spend the year, dude. That's a great. That's that's, that's where you blow money. That's what you do. You got to be like an Airbnb in Manhattan or Brooklyn, and you're like, we will cater. To your Amish needs or whatever you maybe whatever creature comforts you might need while you are uh, doing drugs and having sex for the first time. That'd be you cool. know, That'd be that's a great right. Market. This reminds me a couple years ago, there was a story of a predatory motorcycle gang that was getting what? all the ha- the Amish Rumspringer kids uh, hooked yeah. on crystal and ecstasy. That's right. They really? had a lot. They, there was yeah. a lot of crank going going around in the Amish community because there's no moral hang ups around doing these things because all of these things are equally 
bad. Oh. So using a cell phone is as bad as uh, smoking crack. Yeah, they don't know. They're, they're both like, just modern things. They're like those birds that, like the beagle um, that Charles Darwin found on those islands where they would just be walking around and they weren't even afraid of humans. They're just like marijuana, fucking heroin, uh, fentanyl, this cell phone. It's all the same, baby. Yeah, uh, it's matter. all the same. And it's like in their in the community doesn't look upon it negatively until it's just that when you come back, you don't do any of that stuff. No oh, cell man. phones, no crack, man, no that's MDMA. Some, <laughs> that's some good. That's some good parenting advice. Uh, <laughs> no cell phones, no, no crack. crack. No <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like. Uh, oh, who's the guy who wore the big purple outfits? Who was very homophobic? Uh, the rapper. Um, big purple outfits, homophobic. Oh, oh. Uh, he's very. Uh, he's very good. He has one name too, I believe. I'll think of it later. You'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah. In the meantime, we're going to move on to the next, the next act one. The SEC warns investors of coronavirus investment scams. Hell yeah. So there's an investor alert that came out about fraudulent investment schemes touting solutions to the coronavirus Look, outbreak. Here's here's my strategy. <laughs> you tell me what the next big plague fear is going to be, and that is where we restart the scams. Yeah. What's the product for this? <laughs> Bubonic plague. What's the scam product? Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, HIV around the world. What's look, the scam look, product? We know somebody who will be able to SARS scam product. We we know somebody who will be able to create um, a cure to the coronavirus that will be available uh, any at at any child nursery that you want. It has to be set up on a slide, and you have to pay for childhood care, and you go down the slide. And the child goes through it, and the child becomes immune to the coronavirus. I'm into that. Yeah, and you just have to pay. It, it only costs one down payment of um, 20% of your net worth and all of your assets plus $3 million. And that's per child has to invest that, and then they will be immune to the Now, that sounds like a lot of money up front, but uh, don't, what does peace of mind cost? Thank you. Thank you. And also, like, the coronavirus has already killed 600 People, you know how many people? Like, I think we're up to nine hundred now. Right, nine hundred people. That's almost. That's like a third of Asia. And these are official. <laughs> these are official Chinese government numbers, which means that it's, it's probably double that. Yeah, it's actually way higher, and they're not including the Uyghur Muslim population. You know what I mean? Like, it's sure it could be really because it's have, it's spreading through those concentration camps. Thank you. Like wildfire. I have two questions. Yes, sir. First off, Cameron. Okay. Second off. <laughs> Second off. Is that a question or just a comment? <laughs> Remind question. me what we were talking about because I was coronavirus. completely tuning Because you were look, trying to think of cameras. I was trying to remember camera. Okay, we're talking about the coronavirus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coronavirus scams. Here's a scam. The face masks that they're now selling don't really help. Yeah, of course. Yeah, why would they help? They're just. I mean, I'm what sure. What a they... great way to make money, though. Yeah. Oh, I was. There's. I mean, have you walked by the pharmacy that's sort of adjacent to your house, Gabe? Yeah. Yeah. They're one of the big th- advertisements. Just not even big, but there's like a piece of paper that says we sell protective face masks, which is just like you guys. <laughs> yeah, but you have to wear you have to wear goggles too. Yeah. You need to wear rubber gloves. You need to you know basically you need a hazmat suit mm-hmm. to survive. Like self. Um, 
kind of r- r- you know purifying air. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of those that, things. It's like when you turn your car's like uh, ventilation system so it only re- recirculates air. <laughs> Cam- Cameron is a camera a Cameron air. Yeah, it's the it's the Toyota Cameron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the regulator says it's learned of several internet promotions that claim products or services of publicly traded companies capable of preventing, detecting, or curing the virus, often disguised as research reports. So this new research report says that it can cure coronavirus brought to you by Cialis or whatever. Uh, such claims, especially when involve involving microcap stocks, are sometimes made as pump-and-dump schemes, according to the investor alerts. Um, so what this does is they'll, they'll say, hey, guys, we got this thing. We got this cure to the coronavirus. Everyone throw in some money, throw in some money. We got this. This is going to happen. And then as soon as the stock gets appreciates as much as it can, then the owners of the stock sell it all off and make a bundle and then swindle everyone else over. Yeah. Again, sort of like movie pass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> uh, there are really only two types of crimes, Ponzi schemes and movie pass. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this oh. reminds me of the uh, the father and son who had put money into from our last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Collins family, <laughs> the representative Collins. Yeah, how they were putting money into like a, was it a multiple sclerosis uh Yeah, this uh, is some Elizabeth treatment. Holmes. Chris Collins, multiple sclerosis. So, you know, these sort of snake snake oil, um, big pharma scams. Yeah, yeah. You know, it almost... That's exactly what it is. It almost seems like kind of small pharma in a way. Because Purdue wouldn't muddy its hands with this. They're like, we're too busy stealing insulin from people. But all these <laughs> other little companies are just sort of like... A, yeah, I got the cure for coronavirus. Yeah, like <laughs> like like Lexapro is gonna do this, you know? Yeah, like some yeah, like yeah. really like small name pharmaceutical product that advertises on you know, like only on HGTV, you know, but like it isn't quite at ESPN, you know, isn't quite at ABC level. True T V sort of situation. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, also I gotta give it out for all my snake oil salesmen out there. Uh not because it does anything, but more than anything else, it's just hard to get the oil out of a snake. So that is a product <laughs> that you can't sell. It's not going to do anything, but it's like, look, I'm not going to try to get the oil out of a snake. That's a yeah. It takes a lot of time, you know. I like that. Uh, what do we, what do we sell in the store? We've got avocado oil. We've got uh, mm-hmm. sunflower seed oil. We've got some canola, and right here, snake oil, snake baby. Oil. Yeah, coronavirus oil. Yeah, you can make soap out of it, probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, anyways, guys, be on the lookout. Um. It's pretty exciting stuff. It's going to be the investment opportunity of a lifetime, especially if you're in the Wuhan province. This will save your life. Also, this product is absolutely worth investing if you live in China. <laughs> if you're, you, it will save your life. You need to invest in this product immediately. Any advertisement you see, click on it. Yeah, immediately click on it. China is a China is a weird economy, and uh, not like I know anything about it, but I I do know that there are there's a large swath of chemists and uh you know bioengineers who like spend all day like just altering k2 ever so slightly so it's a, a, a teeny little different drug that can be yeah, like, it's called yeah. an analog yeah an analog yeah. so it's we it's like in, in a weird way i almost um don't I, I i believe in you china because i feel like you already have a lot of labs that are that are really good at chemistry and uh, uh physics or not physics but you know biology so yeah you'll find it you'll get it don't worry about it, China. I'm, don't ro- worry I'm, about I'm it. rooting for. Uh, well, I got my flu vaccine shot, so yeah. I don't know if they work, but uh, if I get sick, you guys know it's not the normal flu. It's definitely Corona. Yo, you yeah. know that shit's a scam. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, guys, this is um, we're an anti-vax podcast now. 
Oh my God, baby! You, sh- you should have been in Portland, Oregon, with during the 2012 voting season when they had a big kerfuffle on whether or not to put fluoride in the water. Interesting. Spoiler alert: They did not put it in. <laughs> so yeah, really. Welcome back, oh, cavities, brother. You there's a lo- whole bunch of stuff about Oregon that is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about um we're gonna talk about something we're, we we've talked about this before. But it's worth bringing up again. This is um this is venture not not venture capital. This is private equity. Yes. Okay, which is different from venture capital. They're kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. Like if you remember from the last episode that we talked about private equity, basically right now what the SEC is trying to do, private equity is great, like immensely outperforming registered funds. So if you remember, a registered fund is something that regular people have access to yes. because of the securities laws that were implemented during the great depression. Um, basically only you have, there are certain thresholds under which you can um, invest in a private fund that you have to meet financial thresholds. So you can like, if you um, you have to have a, like a minimum of $5 million. That's right. The 5 and, million. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to be making like 300 K a year minimum. Okay, to be able to invest in any private fund. Otherwise, it has to be a registered fund, like a mutual fund, an ETF, an IRA, like even like a and that could be going through through your four hundred one k or your IRA or some other retirement plan. Okay. okay, so that's private equity. So private equity is a private fund. What does what do they invest in? Is the question right? Like that is the weird thing about private equity is because it could be a fundraiser. It could be, uh, but most of the time, they're investing in companies. A private equity firm and a venture capital firm both invest in companies. Um, venture capital is what we think of when we think of a private firm giving a startup money. Yes, that's what makes uh, Silicon Valley the television show and the real life thing. That's where people have heard of those things. Peter Thiel. Yes. yes. He's yes. a venture capitalist. So He's not a private equity boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, correct, correct. So Peter Thiel is giving money to Palantir. Yes, he's giving money to Facebook. Early investors. Yeah, early yeah. investors. These people are early investors. These are people who are like, oh yeah, I saw like Shark Tank is technically venture capital. Okay, you go watch Shark Tank. This person's like, I have this business idea where I'm going to uh, have a cure for coronavirus by having eight year old children go down slides. And then they're like, brilliant idea. I'm going to give you $10 million. Venture Capital's funded Google, Amazon, and Facebook before any of them turn to profits. I mean, like these are Apple and Intel. Um, these are all things that Venture Capital does. It is literally an adventure. Okay, so that is, that's a good way to think about it. Right? So Venture, uh, they, they embark on this quest. They have incredibly low success rates, but like 20% on average. But when they make money, they make an insane amount of money such that it is worth it for them to continue on this big losing streak. Imagine if like a major league baseball, like a the designated hitter in an American league baseball team who only hits home runs, but their batting average is 200. Yeah. That's exactly what venture capital Edgar, is. Edgar Martinez that's a, of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, yeah. Personally, yeah. So yes. he only, Edgar Martinez only hits home runs. He's always injured. He's not a very fast runner, but when he hits it, he hits those dingers, baby. So he, as somebody that doesn't have a lot of money, then to, to, uh, put money into any of the things that venture capitalists are are uh, aiming at would be would be foolhardy because you would lose 
most of the time you would lose. Precisely. That, 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 that's why you can't keep up with the big boys. That's why the SEC hasn't allowed for regular people to invest in them. It's because there's no liquidity. The the liquidity means the ability to generate cash. Like actually be able to give money immediately now, tangible money. Okay? Like it, there is no guarantee of first off that it's going to be successful, but second off that it's not going to be successful in a reasonable period of time for a regular person. And it yeah. seems like, you, you know? I mean, venture capitalists can invest in things that seem fantastical now. Like you could say, well, my dream, my vision is within my lifetime that uh, that we are going to Mars and I'm going to build a citadel on Mars. There are already people who are investing in that. I mean, people right. like Elon Musk is getting private equity money to do that. That, that is what SpaceX yeah. is getting. That's, that's how SpaceX is getting funded. But if, you're a po- if, you're, if you work at the post office... Why would you know? There's no way that in your lifetime you could reasonably see a return on that. No, for, for so, all intents and purposes, a post office worker would be throwing that money away. Like, it's, there's no there's no liquidity in there's it. There's no liquidity. They're not not, not s- quickly, anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, let's say, let's say that there was an ability for regular people to have access to private funds. You would have all of a sudden um, investors, like investment advisors, who are going to drool over the idea of the fees that they can charge to be able to find the best venture capital product for their clients. Yeah. There is going to be there would be so much fraud from financial advisors and so much ripping off from financial advisors to try and get people into these funds that would really never see any money. Now, I think about for this. the actual people. Yeah, yeah. I think about the uh, conquistadors in uh, the Spanish yeah. explorers and like Ponce de Leon is looking for the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. And all of these Spanish explorers are looking for El Dorado, a city made out of gold or the Fountain of Youth and these myths. Yeah. Then led uh, to these uh like wildly destructive campaigns of rape and pillage and bioterrorism. Oh, as yeah. people are moving further and further into uh, like unexplored lands, looking for these fake things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So having of uh, having someone it's an El Dorado, yeah, precisely create a fountain of youth or El Dorado type goal for money uh, with, with like this Pied Piper strategy to lead people into throwing their money away into something that would ultimately be a destructive. Could waste easily of time. be. Yeah, eighty percent of the time, it's fail. It's a failure. So. The people who can do private, who can do venture capital, have basically no use for that money, anyways. Like truly, like if you are a venture capitalist, you have so much money that you could just throw away five or ten million dollars and just not even remember that you lost it. <laughs> Is this Tom Steyer's presidential campaign? Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no real loss. I mean, that's like kind of the amazing thing. It's just that when you have that much money, you truly do not. Notice it's gone. And so, like, there, there's not any – you say, yes, I have that money tied up in an investment. Okay, so technically it's not going to affect your overall net worth so your dick doesn't shrink, yeah. right? And then there's a 20% chance that it could make you insanely wealthy again because then this company grows like Facebook at an exponential rate. All of a sudden you're one of the shareholders in Facebook. And then all of a sudden you go from being a multimillionaire to a billionaire, you know, it's, yeah, it's that, that that's really how you become a billionaire is you go into these venture capital things. And you strike gold. Yeah, it, this this person wasn't a venture capitalist per se, but the biggest example that I always think of and perhaps you remember it from the movie The Social Network. Um, uh, this is like one of the yeah. non, the non horribly like uh, exaggerated parts of it where it's like 
all right, Mark Mark Zuckerberg gets fifty percent of it. Um, his one Brazilian friend who I can't remember his name, Ricardo or whatever, he gets twenty five percent. Big deal. But there's those other guys who are are technically still like they Justin ha- Timberlake. No, no, no. The other guys, they they well, he might be one of them, but one of the OG people who started yeah. were like they like all right, you give five percent, you give five percent. It's like well, it turns out when your company's worth what a hundred billion, five percent of that is. Five billion dollars. Nice. You know? It's a nice. It's a nice amount the of money. Nice little return there. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is venture capital. Um, private equity is less sexy. <laughs> yeah, it's it is less sexy. Much it more is more boring. <laughs> it, it's. I don't know if it's necessarily more boring, but it is certainly less sexy. It is a little bit more horrifying. There's, it's yeah. like a horror. This is. It, it is. Why is it horrifying? It. it it's just a later stage in life. Okay. So okay. Like, this, okay. Okay. So like think about like private uh venture capital is like teenager, like sex in the car for the first time, in like overlooking these cliffs, you know, something like that. Like you're about to go you just got into, you know, Loyola Marymount. This is your number one. <laughs> you're school. drinking Boots you're gonna, Farm. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. having a fun time. You're gonna ma- you're gonna major in history with a minor in economics. Like you're gonna you're doing great. You know, this is like peak time of your life. Private equity is um, you're in your late 40s. Uh, that girl you just knocked up, uh, that, that you knocked up in the van, is your first wife. Um, and you're just about, going th- about to divorce your third wife. Um, that is where that, that's the stage of a company where a private equity firm comes in. You're drinking in. a handle of uh, a handle of whatever cheap vodka is in your town yeah, you per to- night. You totally tanked your dad's business that you took over. And now you, w- you went back and you got. Um, some other degree, you got a, uh, a CPA and now you're a certified, you know, uh, you know, financial planner and that's that, a solid gig. It's a solid gig. That's what you do though. And you have alimony to, uh, that you, that you owe, you have child support that you owe and you're just alone and sad. You need a yeah. private equity firm to come in and like fix shit up with your life. This is private equity is the queer eye for the straight guy. Of the financial sector, <laughs> Sharon's being a real bitch lately. Uh, won't let you see. Won't let you see the kids. Yeah. So a private equity firm, in theory, what it does is, it is like an it is like consultants, but they're also giving you a lot of money and charging you. They're they're giving you money. They're giving you resources. They're taking over equity and, uh, and share like a certain percentage of shareholder status. They're basically like becoming management for you. And then their plan is to fix it up, do like a fixer-upper, extreme home renovation, and then sell it with their shares again. And then you make a fuck ton of money. That's the so, idea. Because you're okay. So uh, this is a, this is actually a bit of confusion. I think you just uh, figured out because I didn't realize for a second that both venture capital and both private equity and private equity are in in the business of giving you money. But the way private equity does it is um, very curt and very um, almost hostile in a way. And not like it isn't like that in venture capital, but the feeling of it is less adventurous in that way. Private equity is like a takeover. It can be a takeover situation. So it'll go in. It's going to be, you know, 41% shareholder in a company. And it, it the whole thing is to shake things up, move things around, introduce like new technology, um, 
And then oftentimes what that means is when it says introduce next tech, new technology, that means automate a bunch of jobs, fire a bunch of people, um, make it more of tech or pivot to tech essentially, or, you know, pivot to video or whatever, whatever it does something that's going to be like quick, high, uh, a quick way so to like this be school, more profitable and then sell it again and have the guy, have the owner make money. This school has way too many teachers. We've got, <laughs> yeah, we've got five fifth grades and we have five fifth grade teachers. What if we just had one teacher on a video camera and we played that for all of the five classes? That way we only have one teacher who we're paying a salary to and we've gotten rid of the rest. Yeah. Actually, that's a really great tech innovation. We're also now going to trademark that and we're going to have this teacher and sell that tech idea curriculum to schools throughout the district and so every every school in the district will have the same fifth grade teacher on video yeah it's like you thought we were that's exactly right you thought that we were playing with hardball when we just brought in mrs anderson and she had a little bit too much the previous night and we're gonna watch you know this movie while she takes a quick quick uh nap in the front nah you haven't even you haven't even seen what we can do yet dog this is gonna be crazy and so the whole time they're also charging the the company a fee so the thing like i i I really do there's a lot of overlap between a private equity firm and a consultant um a consultant takes consulting fees they go in they um you know create uh economic conditions ripe for democracy and cobble um they uh, you know a consultant will go in and you know fix bread prices in canada um and like a private equity firm has a similar mission in that they they are to optimize uh the efficiency in such a short burst of energy such that it attracts someone else who doesn't know how the industry works someone else who is rich and dumb like them to yes. buy the product to say that's a great idea so going back to the school example okay so you you're, you're a private equity firm is going into this charter school because it's a charter school uh, in this example um, and you're going to say, we're going to have one teacher for all, all of fifth grade and one guy who is also a private equity investor, who's also a capitalist. I mean, just in, in a technical sense of the word, I, I'm not just trying to be honest, he's a capitalist. And, um, he says, that's a great idea. What an innovation. And he has no idea what schools are. He hasn't ever been to a school before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, exactly. he's actually, he's actually three years old and he just inherited all of his money. He's a and boss baby. He's yeah, a yeah. boss baby. And he, the boss baby was like, yes. Let's do this. And he buys that charter school from this other private equity investor. And the principal slash owner of the charter school makes money off of that purchase as well. Yeah. And in the meantime, we lost four teachers and none of the kids are going to learn anything. None of them are going to get it, get into USC or none of them are going to get Loyola into Mary Lo- or Loyola Marymount. Yeah, yeah, none yeah. of them are going to get into SUNY purchase. Yeah. And the school tanks. Um, that is what happens very, very, very frequently is that none of them are – none of the students are going to pass their uh, boards. You know, what, what, what is it in New York City? They have their, the school exams. None of that – you know, something yeah. like so – In they, Washington State, we had exams. the WASL, the Washington Assessment of Student Learning. We, yeah. We had the Iowa – the Iowa student learning one. Yeah, those, those 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 standardized tests are usually made by some weird consortium in Ohio, Something um, like which that. is probably owned by a private equity firm, actually. So are you saying that there's no good comes out of private equity firms? No. 
there is re- there ha- there ha- there are examples of restructuring where that works. Um, like there are uh, I I mean, there are times where you could imagine where if you are um you know a company that's stuck in your ways, you have a very specific business model. You guys haven't gotten a computer at your retail store, something like that, and you have no real interest in doing that because you're making just enough to survive. But also, you have canny instincts as to how this industry works, and you're just barely trucking by. Um, you get a private equity investor. These people are uh, cosmopolitan, wealthy, uh, urbane investors who understand technology. They can go in. They say, hey, look, man, like you don't have to have – um, like, uh, uh, you know, you, you'd actually don't have to use uh, a, a private accountant at every single, uh, cashier. You can actually get this computer system and you don't, and you can hire, all, you can fire all of your accountants that are at all of your, uh, cash registers. And you don't need to do that at this grocery store anymore. You don't need, yeah. it's like all, you know, so imagine some ridiculous thing where they would have, where you have to have a, a man who's just, whose entire job is just to count the pennies and sort them by year. You know, something like <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 sort them by year and by looks. You know what I mean? Like there, there's some firms that may need an update, and the only way to get an update really without changing ownership, um, in a real way is to get a you get a private equity firm or you hire a consultant, um, and you hire a consultant to come in and say, hey, charge me a consultant fee. I'm gonna uh, make sure you guys get these new iPads, and you're gonna do this, or you get a private equity firm, give me forty percent equity. And I'm going to charge you a fee and I'm going to put these iPads in for you and then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to make you a bunch of money. So it's a private equity firm is kind of like a consultant, but also gets uh, they also play the they play the stocks at the same time. They like play yeah. the net worth of it at the same time. They well, have a motivation, an incentive to make to maximize the profits of the company because they don't have a set fee they're getting. They're getting a percentage of growth they're getting both yeah yeah they're getting both a set fee and they're getting the percentage of growth so even if it tanks excuse me even if it tanks they're still going to get that fee no matter what i i actually have an anecdote that i think is very very germane to this i will not say where i used to work just because i don't know where they are in their own restructuring but i worked at a college bookstore when i was younger and this was a very, very inefficient bookstore, which is, and it sounds exactly like what David was describing, where we had many managers who basically had these fuck all jobs that were not relevant to any kind of growth. And I'm like playing a bit of a devil's advocate because I'm just saying like, this is just for money in this case. One of my managers, his, like he would literally spend five to six hours, like every Monday and Tuesday making Costco, quote unquote, Costco runs where he would go to Costco. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. He would go to Costco and then buy like the certain supplies for the bookstore. And we're all just thinking to ourselves, like, what the fuck is Brian doing at Costco for five to six hours? It doesn't take five to six hours to buy like a hundred bags of like the tiny Doritos. You dude, know? the windows are rolled down yeah. and he's got his hand out the window and he's yeah. just he's he's doing the wave and he's catching the air. Yeah. And then and he's listening to sports radio. Yeah. And then we got bought out by a much larger conglomerate, not private equity, but a conglomerate yeah. that dealt with other bookstores. And you know right quick that all those cushy jobs, all the weird, like, you know, Cheryl and HR who's just like, I'm happy to be here, but 
nobody's really pissed off. So my job is I'm basically doing nothing here. Uh, they all left, and mm-hmm. it. I think this actually kind of ties in to the whole idea of like whether or not you know how evil it is because I would I would assume that most private equity is evil, and I think it just has a predilection to do that because it's a very fine line between restructuring and making things more efficient and uh, human misery. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the difference is is just the incentive structures of private equity. Give it actual, give private equity actual, no actual reason to improve the company for more than the one period in which it is valued highly at the moment that it is sold. A consultant, a consultant is at least has to rely on its reputation. Yeah. That is the only thing, the only currency is its social currency of a consulting. You know, Deloitte saved whatever, uh, McKinsey you know, overthrew this government, whatever. And <laughs> yeah, we're not going like, to say who overthrew what. <laughs> but like, like the, the, but a private equity firm really only needs to get its fees and f- to have it be valuable for a very short period of time for a very, for one very stupid buyer. Yeah. And that's all it really needs. Um, there's an example, um, there's a New York Times article that uh, called um, How Private Equity Buried Payless Shoe Source. And um, Payless has almost completely closed down. They got bought by a pri- private equity firm. Um, and, they had a big um, – they were, they were expanding into Latin America, but this private equity firm uh, – this is a pretty good anecdote from the top of the article, okay? The financiers who had taken over Payless Shoe Source didn't have much, much experience selling low-priced footwear, but they had big ideas about how things ought to be done. One was capitalizing on enthusiasm for the 2018 World Cup in Latin American countries – where the company had hundreds of stores. Oh, yeah. When they saw an opportunity to buy a million pairs of World Cup branded flip flops, the money men turned shoe sellers overruled the. Wait, sorry. The money men turned shoe sellers overruled the mid level supply managers at corporate headquarters in Topeka who had pointed out a couple of problems. <laughs> okay. For, first, the sandals wouldn't arrive on store shelves until after the World Cup was over. <laughs> All right. Okay. I like this strategy these, so far. Uh, these sound like these World Cup sandals are all going to end up in uh, third world countries, like as charity <laughs> gifts. Yeah. Second, they were branded with the flags of countries like Mexico and Argentina, countries where Payless didn't have any stores. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love these fools. <laughs> They're great. Uh, <laughs> So ultimately, the flip flops had to be unloaded at steep markdowns, one of the many missteps at a company that by early 2019 would liquidate its stores in the United States and enter its second bankruptcy in rapid succession, putting 16,000 people out of work. It emerged from bankruptcy last month with its third ownership group in four years. Um, So there are examples where a purchase of a company where a new management of a company where these things can be good. I think that what private equity is a symptom of is the presumption that just because you are, uh, it is the symptom of generic intelligence equals specific intelligence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, or like it's specific in a field. Precisely. Especially, especially. It, it, it is like you, um, you were able to climb this one corporate ladder, ergo you can do anything. You were able to get a good SAT score and go to a good school. You ergo, speak four languages, therefore you're probably qualified to become president. Yeah, stuff like that. Precisely. 
Um, there are so many subtweets in this episode right now against Pete Buttigieg. It's so intense. Yeah, it's great. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's great. It, yeah, count along at home, folks. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's really kind of the – one of the, like, moral deficiencies of private equity is that they assume – that because they are urbane, that they because they are wealthy, that they can tell a Topeka, Kansas shoe company that has survived forty years actually um, how to run its shoe stores. Yeah. Um. And it, it, when when these people in Topeka, they, they, like they know how to run a, ch- a cheap shoe store, it was doing okay. It just needed to like update a couple things and like put in iPads basically. Yeah, you but, basically just needed a smart teen to come in and exp- and like yeah. <laughs> make it so the Wi-Fi password was locked <laughs> or the Wi-Fi network. Yeah, so yeah. so apparently the Payless they they hired a private equity firm before they had ever even put Wi-Fi in the stores. <laughs> like the, like Payless was so far behind, they did not have Wi-Fi it. in the stores. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean and so the, so like they like tried to assemble like these um they tried to put iPads in the stores. They tried to like um, fire a lot of employees and have it only be like on automatic checkout and all that sort of stuff. Uh, when Payless had already first off kind of innovated the idea of having fewer employees at a shoe store because their whole business model is put the boxes of the shoes in front of the store. That way you don't have to get employees to constantly be going to the front and the back. Like, just- do you see the size? Do they have your size? All right. Look, if you don't see the size, it's not there. Yeah, exactly. That that was the innovation. That's the Payless innovation. We all remember going into a Payless shoe store and... It just kind of looked like a mausoleum, but instead of you know crypts, you know where a body's inside, it's yeah. just shoeboxes. It's just it's like you you built it, the store out of shoeboxes, and, and it was a great full, idea. And it was full of life. <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> like know. a mausoleum. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was life that was, it was, but it was definitely making like I don't know some some lady in in Wichita like uh her shoe buying experience a little easier. Look, and we know? probably don't. Yeah. And look, yeah. and we probably don't want to like you know make this glorify Payless shoe stores because probably they put a lot of local shoe stores out of business back in the '90s when all these small town econ or '80s when like all these small town economies were totally getting destroyed by the mall world. Well, you know this what I reminds mean? me of like uh, uh, Stranger Things. You know, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. watch Stranger Things, it is the destruction of Main Street and the mall is the thing that's taking over. Yeah, uh, and then and like in the '80s and now you know I'm driving around the country and there's just these ghost malls. Because uh, Amazon has killed all the malls. Yeah, we, and we need to figure out uh, what our interdimensional uh, hate being will be that will crush this mall uh, and these private equity firms. Precisely. Yeah. Um, and that hate being is Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, Not. <laughs> uh, no, but th- so look, th- there's a lot of people who um, are speculating about the presidential race, and really only two candidates have a serious have taken a serious approach to private equity. Uh, one of them is Bernie. One of them is Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Bernie has publicly stated that um, he would pass a law just outright banning private equity firms from owning hospitals. Good start. Pretty <laughs> yeah. good start. He just yeah. says the business model of private equity is fundamentally incompatible with a hospital and cannot ever and should not ever and just banning it from the entire sector. Right, because I can see the incentive there is uh, to use like an analogy. Let's say I, I'm. I have a rusty old car with a terrible engine. Yeah. And the private equity firm could come in and say, okay, well, let's just slap a fresh coat of paint on that. And uh, the first person to walk by that is willing to pay the price Precisely. for this. Mm-hmm. It uh, is a grift. It really is. I mean, like, sorry, I didn't mean to Yeah, you, no, like, of course. But, like, that, 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 that is kind of the crazy thing about private equity is just how 
frequently it seems that a private equity purchase after the private equity firm has gone in is actually completely overvaluing the company itself. I have a question about one of Elizabeth Warren's things, and maybe you'll answer it in a second. Sure. Does she include any kind of legislation or like proposal where a private equity firm would be required to sign some sort of disclosure that says you are sort of financially responsible for uh, this sale 10 years or 15 years, up to 15 years after its sale. So it incentivizes you to not just pump and dump it. Is it pumping up? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Does she do anything like that, or is that, or does let's Bernie... go through? Let's go through. Let's her go plans. through them. Okay. Yeah. So, so Elizabeth Warren has a Medium post about it. Um, that's you got to go straight to the belly of the beast, and that is medium.com slash. It's right in the middle. Right in the right. <laughs> so she would. Um, her plan would pri- uh, transform the private equity industry and end what she calls. Um, she calls it legalized looting with a comprehensive set of legal changes, including one putting private equity firms on the hook for the debts of companies they buy making them responsible for the downside of their investments so that they only make money if the co- if the companies they control flourish. Danny, you read the room. Oh, you my God. You figured it out, man. I did it. You did it. So that sounds reasonable. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. Sounds it's like she has a plan. Pretty reasonable. Number two, holding private equity firms responsible for certain pension obligations of the companies they buy so that workers have a better shot of getting the retirement funds they earn. One of the things that's that Warren gets exactly right is that this is a very much a wage theft scheme. Okay. Private equity firms, like so many other aspects of the financial sector is about extracting wages and wealth from the working class and bringing it into the managerial class. Um, And private equity does that because they have no obligation. Like an owner of a company, yes, an owner of a company you know, there's a lot of, you know, you can say whatever Marxist theory you want, you know, like, but, you know, but at the end of the day, they know that the producers of labor are the source of their wealth. A private equity firm has a, like, separate relationship from management that is independent of the owners. And they are doing some, their, their relationship is really more as like a third party intervener yeah. status. And so they don't really have a obligation to the employees in any real material way, even when they're the minority shareholder. So what she's saying is that instead of doing what private equity firms oftentimes will do, which is um, ex- like just extract pension money from, uh, you know, like these like 401ks of these workers or things like that, uh, they'll have to basically say you have an obligation to these pensioners to uh, basically you have to hold them responsible, which is I, I don't know what that means. That could be a fiduciary responsibility. That could be some sort of obligation to ensure maximum returns. Whatever, make sure that they don't basically eliminate the practice in private equity where they are just like sucking dry pension funds. Do we have? Do we? Can we get another Bernie proposal? I'm very curious to see if he has another hot, hot, some more hot fires. (laughs) See, this is the thing about Bernie is that he doesn't, he doesn't have them. Like Warren, Warren has, Warren has uh, six more bullet points. Yeah, Um, and I couldn't find any any other things on. So because Bernie's just like you can't, like he's like he's like it's going to be illegal. Yeah, and Warren's it's like, basically going to be illegal. And yeah. Warren's uh, looking for like, well, what are the harm reduction extra rules that I can put into play? Yeah, that, she, could, yeah, yeah, because she recognizes there the moments when private equity works, you know. Uh, but but it, so let's, let's keep going with her things. There's a few more we should try and get through. Eliminating the ability of private equity firms to pay themselves huge monitoring fees and limiting their ability to pay out dividends. 
to line their own pockets. Basically, you know, there's that thing that we talked about, like you cannot charge excessive fees. She would yes. create some law that says private equity firms cannot charge excessive fees. Monitoring fees shall be illegal or fees shall be reasonable. That'll probably be that'll probably be the line in the whatever legislation she crafts. Change the tax rules so private equity firms don't get sweetheart tax rates um, on all the debt they put on the companies they buy. Modifying bankruptcy rules so that when companies go bust, workers have a better shot at getting pay and benefits, and, and executives can't pocket special bonuses. Basically, when bankruptcy happens, there is a predetermined list of priorities of who gets paid first. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So when you when any company, if you go into Chapter Seven or Chapter Eleven or Chapter Nine, depending on what sort of entity you are, um, there is a list of priorities as who gets dibs first on the carcass on the carcass on the liquidation what vulture gets to go first and on who gets the couch who gets the real estate who, who gets, gets the, the liver yeah, who gets yeah. the liver yeah, what, yeah. yeah yeah and so the, and so the basically carrion, who which what do you who the first is the carrions then you get the the scavengers the hyenas then the bugs you yeah know? <laughs> bankruptcy court is like that those fast videos of the whale carcass at the bottom yeah. of the ocean being decomposed <laughs> being picked you've ever seen those yeah, yeah juicy those are so cool really fun i'm hungry now yeah uh, <laughs> uh the next one uh preventing lenders and investment managers from making reckless loans to private equity owned companies already swimming in debt and then passing along the danger to the market by requiring them to retain some of the risk um does that make sense it does i i would say this about the whole thing is like i understand some of what you're saying david and i can process it with little bits of help just through context yeah. and how it works but i will say and i don't think it's any surprise that like everybody in on this podcast is a big fan of bernard uh the good one and and, and what he's doing <laughs> Adolf, and yeah. i i cannot yes <laughs> and it's so effective to just say no more private equity in hospitals. Like, like you yeah. said that, and I'm just like, oh, I remember that. Like, he's, he's talking about, like, a weird, esoteric part of finance. But when you say the big bad men, the big bad men with the money do not get to go in the hospital, it's different than we will be changing subclause B, section 52. <laughs> so it is now this. So it's like I respect Elizabeth Warren for getting into the fucking muck and the weeds and like really going into that, but she's not really addressing it in a in a meaningful uh, like way that normal people can understand. Yeah, you know precisely. And if your allegiance ultimately, if you're doing this for normal people, right? Yeah. Like the what's what's interesting is that Elizabeth Warren uses the deep knowledge of, um. Uh, of highly educated, very, very well, otherwise very, very wealthy people, and has this deep knowledge, but is then trying to convey it to normal people. The arcane it, knowledge of the elves, you know, and you like ultimately, and ultimately, like what we have said on this podcast before is like this knowledge shouldn't exist. Like there is <laughs> yeah. too yeah. much. Like this is there is too much finance. The financial sector is too big. There needs to be less of this, and there, there, we until we have an economy that is actually. Where there's a reasonable living, a life of dignity for like working class and even the middle class, like you, um, you can't have this much financialization. And to double down on the rules and refine them even more is both in some ways like really fucking cool and really empowering, but is also reinforcing the mindset that these rules matter. 
Yeah. Look, if that makes look, sense. Look, all yeah. right? We love the Lord of the Rings. We love the Hobbit. We do not need to read the Silmarillion, all right? That second <laughs> age shit is bullshit, okay? I don't need to hear about how Sauron built the ring. It's kind of like, it just reminds me of like playing tag as a little kid in a, in a schoolyard, and then it turns into freeze tag, but then there's also bass. And then somebody hops on base, and then the person who's it is like, okay, uh, black magic, one, two, three. And then you have to hop off base because they've now created a new rule. Yeah, which yeah, is like, yeah. It's yeah. a new black rule. magic rule. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then the teacher comes out and is like, wait, what are you guys playing? And, and it's like, we're playing no look-see double sharks and minnows freeze tag with black magic and two bases. Yeah. And, and, and you, it, so it just keeps compounding. Into it keeps this, compounding. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. It keeps reinforcing the idea that there should be a base. <laughs> All right? Uh, and, and, and there's, okay, there's two, there's two more, and, the, and these are a little bit more generic. Empowering investors like pension funds with better information. Okay, so about the about the private equity investments are requiring more disclosures. Okay? The last one is closing the carried interest loophole that lets firm managers pay ultra-low tax rates on the money they loot. Okay, that's the those are all the things that she says. They're actually really precise and really good. It's worth us noting that, mm-hmm. that she, I think that she does school Bernard on this specific thing. As far as I can tell, Bernie does not have as much stuff. But again, Bernie is playing a, re- a different rhetorical game. He is not creating, he's not using rhetoric, populist rhetoric, and making it more palatable to professionals. He is just speaking directly to working people. And that is just a different rhetorical strategy. Perhaps Elizabeth Warren. Perhaps there's a place for you in, in Bernard's cabinet. Maybe, maybe we can figure it out. I'd, I'd love to see you walking around in like you know a corner of the of the of the sector to, doing all kinds of crazy shit. That'd be great, you know. But I don't know, man. As long as she's not in charge of Medicare for all, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, fu- no fucking, uh, ho- no fucking carrying birds in the hospital. Still remember it. So yeah. Carrying birds in the hospital. That's what a vulture is. Yeah, oh, okay. a vulture is a carrying, carrying bird. bird. God, okay. A condor. Oh, uh-huh. okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, so many th- metaphors. God. Yeah. Okay. Crows eat roadkill too. Dude, crows uh, are so smart. So how about that? They're yeah. the smartest birds yeah. in the world. I love how they bring you uh, gifts. They bring you gifts <laughs> if you're nice to crows. They'll give you like a shiny, uh, uh, a shiny thing. That's and, so nice. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're 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 considering getting into coding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, you gotta watch my my boss. He owns a couple pigeons. Owns. He lets them roam. But like, they live in his house. You gotta watch the birds. Are I'm here for the birds, man. And you know who the birds love? Who the, who they love? Bernie. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Here all right, we go. That was a full circle. Yeah, uh, I love it. For for Ponzi scream. I'm David Bradley Eisenberg. I'm Danny Feltz. And this is Gabe Pacheco. Good night, guys. Watch out for the birds. Love Ciao. you. Good night. Your eyes.